And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You don't be the best, then you gotta pay no price. If you want it bad enough, you gotta do a little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodrigue, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? Well, Jordan, sitting here on a Sunday afternoon. December 5th, when what to my wondering eyes should appear, but in-game adjustments, changes, positivity in the Rams offense. I can't wait, Jordan, to get your thoughts on this because we've been talking about it for weeks on end now. Is it possible? What could they do? Are they being held back by certain things? And I'm not going to make too much out of a victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars, which I referred to on Twitter as something of a scrimmage. But I think we can talk about what we learned uh, from this game and maybe the possibilities going forward, maybe what's a mirage and what is real. So I don't know where you want to start, Jordan. The result to me didn't really mean a whole lot. I expected the Rams to win. But what were your takeaways? What what was the thing that you're going to carry with you into what is going to be a very, very important game against Arizona a week from today? Yeah, so I think we opened this podcast, obviously, with the caveat so that we don't keep repeating it because it's an important caveat <laughs> right. uh, that this was against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, mm. And, you know, yes, they are still an NFL team uh, as Technically. one of... Yeah. As one of our colleagues, Arif Hassan, um, outlined very well in a piece last week for The Athletic, um, there are no technically good teams in the NFL this year. There's only chaos um, <laughs> and weird crap is happening week over week. Um, yeah. think, think things will start to even out and iron out a little bit down the stretch because now you're really getting down to the wire on certain things. But it's been a weird season. Um, there's a lot of interesting schematic things happening that are forcing teams uh, into different boxes than maybe they thought they would be in. Um, and mm-hmm. I think you can probably in in parts blame Vic Fangio and Brandon Staley for that. Uh, again, more reading to do over at The Athletic if you guys haven't done so already. Uh, if you have, you know what pieces I'm talking about. Just fascinating stuff. Um, but that's the caveat. Uh, yes, the Jacksonville Jaguars are an NFL team, but they are an NFL team still very much lost at sea, trying to figure out what, how, which pieces to even put around um, their quarterback, Trevor yeah. Lawrence. So, But that being said, I did see uh, – so first of all, I love getting comments, notes, thoughts from you guys. So when I point out tweets, it's usually not negative unless you're that – like a weirdly specific and repeated attacking troll like – then you can screw off. But otherwise, like, I love getting your comments. And I saw one that I thought was really interesting to talk about. How dare you call me out like that, Jordan? (laughs) I didn't get, I I only saw a few, a few angry tweets from you yesterday, which I thought was, that's, that's the biggest benchmark of any that the Rams have have adjusted. My, my point is, is uh, I saw a really good, uh, interesting thought. That's I think serves as sort of the caveat here. Um, and the tweet was, you know, I, how can you take anything from this game? And I was like, well, you know, that's fair, I think, because, again, this is a team they should have beat. I think one of the notable things is, first and foremost, they did not beat themselves, uh, which they had very much been doing for the last couple of weeks against better opponents, which is just a recipe for disaster. And then also, this was, you know, probably should have been the bye week that did this, but this was a game in which they uh, outlaid and uh, executed some important adjustments. And, you know, we're going to go, we're going to get into them, but um, yeah, I thought that was important. I think those details are what you do take away from this game, particularly down the final stretch and particularly as 
um, there was pressure mounting on Sean McVay and his staff to do so, not just to make things a bit easier for his quarterback in some facets, but also the quarterback to play better. Um, the run game needing pretty much a complete overhaul from personnel to blocking concepts, um, as we have illustrated ad nauseum for the last few weeks. Um, and I, I just thought it was really interesting to see all those things come together. Again, you hope that this happens during the bye week if it's going to happen, because then you don't drop, maybe you don't drop a game afterward. Hmm. But if it is going to happen and you want to see this plan in action, and again, only time will tell if these things sustain. They should, especially this run game against Arizona next week, um, should sustain in this. They should continue to play this type of football. Um, but at the same time, time will tell whether this is actually uh, going to be a longer term thing down the back stretch here. Um, but it was, to me, very promising to see those details within a very, very lopsided score. Yeah, well, well said, Jordan. I, I think our uh, friend on on Twitter, LA Rams UK. By the way, love love the UK fans. Let's just, I love them. I love being I get over really there. Nice, and, I get really nice tweets in German too, and yeah. Finnish, and like I think Finnish, but I'm do not you, quite sure. Do yeah, you know what they say? Um, well, Twitter Translate knows what they are saying. Uh, they're oh, okay. they're usually very nice. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, anyway, continue. Oh, they're great. I, I, I was fortunate to make that London trip a couple of years and just to see all the, I mean, fans coming in from all over Europe. It was it was so much fun. I'd love to do it again sometime. But uh, but what LA Rams UK said was it, it really is. It's it's a it's a lose lose game in, on, on some level, because like you just said, Jordan, you're, you're supposed to beat the Jaguars by 30 points. And, and if you don't, then people start looking at it saying, well, what's wrong? What's wrong? But so I, I don't uh, and I even tweeted myself like I, I don't have. I have a hard time generating too much emotion either way about it, but but I do think that there are some things that you can you can take away, and uh, that game at at one time was pretty close. I mean, it was a ten seven game. It was sixteen to seven at halftime, which is really a closer game than you should be in with the Jaguars if if you're a good team like like the Rams are. And they were able to figure some stuff out, independent of the opponent. I don't I don't care. I mean, you, you still have to win the games and you still have to do things uh, within them to uh, to make adjustments and, and such. Uh, I liked what I saw, Jordan. I want to break some of this down with you. I I thought you just said something that is front of my mind too is and we talked about this last week why didn't this happen during the bye week i mean why why wasn't there some type of self scout or self analysis to say hey you know what we we've got to switch things up a little bit we've got to we've got to take a little bit of a different approach i'm not sure why exactly it took this long or what exactly was the the breaking point, whether it was some of these injuries or whatever it was to, to finally make that click and go, okay, you know, we've, we've got to do this. But once they did them, uh, they started to work out and, and Jordan, a couple of things. And you, you dove into this brilliantly. And I don't say that lightly, but, but it, these are, these are difficult concepts to, to explain. Uh, but Jordan in, in her column, the, the pile, which you can find right now and the, on the athletic app and website, please check that out if you haven't already. Uh, very nice job distilling all of this down into, into digestible <laughs> bites. But, but Jordan, one thing that we talked a lot about is play action and you know why the Rams weren't leaning into it as much, how it tied into the run game, what was plausible, what was smart to do. And Jordan, we saw more of it in this game and we saw it be effective with Matthew Stafford. So what what changed and and what did you see again independent of the opponent what did you see that you thought the rams can can take from that yeah so now that we've established the caveat <laughs> yes we're gonna now talk about the rams in a vacuum here and yes in the back of your head always lead every sentence with well it was the jacksonville jaguars <laughs> yeah. it might as well be watching an episode of the good place like right, it really right. like just have that sentence in your head before right. you jump into any of this right. like um, portals Portals. <laughs> I think that was a pretty good impression. Um, yeah, very good. So, um, so yeah, in a vacuum. So not not only was establishing Sony in the way that they did, um, which I will touch on in one second. But if we're talking about the play action here, um, it was effective in two ways. One, it provided that steadiness that the play action really does complement very well in terms of that that continued steadiness, that sustainability of drives. First half, 
they could not sustain drives. There's there's some clear timing issues still happening with their receivers. Yeah. The point was, and I, again, I, I'm I don't want to jump too far ahead, but the point was in that first half, you mentioned it being close. Yeah, it was too way too close, but um, they didn't turn the ball over, which was important. The defense mm-hmm. put them in a great position, um, which was also and. Uh, one very good special teams kickoff return. Um, yes. <laughs> and then that's where it all stopped. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, but it put them in great position um, to take an early lead, however small that early lead was. Um, it put them in great position. They played clean football, uh, made, you know, Matthew Stafford, when he did miss throws, they weren't, you know, like, why in the hell throws? They were like, oh, yeah, I could see what was kind of happening there. Um, the t- some of the timing you can tell is off. Some of the concepts, you know, they're onboarding essentially three different receivers to do the job of one in the loss of Robert Woods. And two, one of them is three weeks old into the system. And t- one is a rookie, uh, what, seventh, what, fifth round pick? Yeah. Se- I forget fifth or seventh, but he's late, late round pick. One is uh, a second year receiver. Um, so like I can understand like the timing stuff. Yes, I can. I can get that. That needs to get cleaned up, obviously. But I can kind of understand some of that. The point was that Sony being as steady as he was. There's two things that offensive linemen were telling me this week mm-hmm. um, when I was kind of talking to a couple guys on background is, you know, he falls forward mm-hmm. instead of instead of backwards. Um, mm-hmm. He's, you know. Even if the gap isn't, you know, exactly, and not every per- run run block is going to be perfect. There's a very low success rate on quote unquote perfectly blocked runs. Um, uh, Air, I think his name, uh, Eric Ager, I think is the right pronunciation of that. Did a really interesting, fascinating study on blocked run plays and success rate to the run game overall um, through the NFL over at PFF last uh, last week. That sparked a shitload of debate and it was fascinating to follow along with different perspectives on that but basically you know you're, you're gonna have a very low percentage of a perfectly blocked play so what does that mean that means that the back has to not be quote-unquote picky right he has to make yeah. make hay out of uh you know hay with some dampness and some mud on it sometimes right like <laughs> and and i think like uh, and the tortured metaphors are starting to roll out yes. so i think that that's important about what sony does is when situation conditions around him are not perfect, he still lends a steadiness. He's You're not expecting him. He had a great run late in the game, which was gorgeous. And I talked about it in my column because like, hell yeah, load up the freaking semi truck. Like right, there was right. uh, what t- two tight ends and extra linemen and Ben Skoranek was in block, was blocking uh, in line. And John Wolford handed off to Sony for like 25 yards. It was awesome. Right. right? right. It was awesome. But you're not going to see that all the time with Sony. Right. You're, you're but you are going to get that repeated steadiness that type of steadiness right. and again the the lack of pickiness the the um the understanding that you are going to maybe get 2 yards on a play but it's fine if you can fall forward another yard because you yeah. have that body type and that physicality and then you stack a bunch of those together to help your team um just establish themselves along the trench and then also establish themselves in terms of that rhythmic um that dance sort of that unfolds that's important and it ties extremely well into the play action because, as we know, while you don't necessarily statistically need, there is a non-correlative effect between a quote-unquote dominant, quote-unquote explosive, specific word choice there, run mm-hmm. game, and a successful play action game, the idea for defenders that it's there, that right. some steadiness is there, it ties very, very well in terms of how defenses are playing you into establishing that play action. And so that was really, really the important thing was was when, you know, the timing's off and some of the stuff they're doing is not working and they're missing throws or dropping passes or there's just breakdowns here and there. In the passing game, Sony was a baseline. He was a pulse for them. Right. And that's not something, and, and again, I don't, I'm not picking on Daryl. It just sucks for him that he is as injured as he has been. And he was, I right. think, put into an impossible position, honestly, right. this year when, when Cam Akers went down. Cause he's just, that's not just not his style. We've talked about this since July. Right. And, um, and Sony, they're just different in terms of that steadiness, in terms of everything I just talked about. They're just different players. And that's fine. Daryl, should and could be used heavily in the passing game. Sean McVay should and could use two back sets with Daryl more extrapolated out in the flats and things like that. Like 
That's what he should be doing, especially as they're seeing a rise of too high against them. Like, this all is good. (laughs) Right, right. This all is a solution, right? This all is a solution to presented problems that they have seen over and over and over again. Again, caveat, Jacksonville Jaguars should have happened during the bye week. But still, like, this is positive. This is something that you can take from this. And Matthew Stafford, once they settled in, again, because that rhythm provided a stabilizing baseline force for them, then you can start getting a second stabilizing rhythmic uh, situational like layer of diversity into your pass game, which is the play action. And Matthew Stafford uh, was was very successful in in running the play action. Um, True Media, which we use, which was just fantastic, um, had some great stats. So Matthew um, was obviously 26, 38 for 295 and three touchdowns, no interceptions. Again, that was key. Um, but out of play action, so he he threw the ball nine times out of play action um, from under center, which is the the looping one that you're used to where the back right. turns and flips back around. And he was seven for nine for 128 yards and added 0.74 EPA per play, which is fantastic. Um, he also ran play action out of the gun. And that's where it's still the action and the run fake, but you're not turning your back. You're, you're obviously lined up in the gun instead of from under center. He's three for three for 45 yards um, on play action passes out of gun. And then the rest, they still executed out of drop back. Now, that now gives defenses not only three different things – Instead of one, which is pure drop back, three different things to defend instead of one per snap, because especially if he's in, if he's uh, still, you know, dropping back on, from under center or dropping back, you know, or uh, executing out of gun, like now it's technically like five different things. And then you have to worry about all of the different concepts that sort of come out of that. And then you still have to continue to defend the run, which they did. Sony Michelle on 50% of his carries saw a box with eight or more players, which is a very much a high for the Rams this season. Um, as we know, Daryl Henderson was facing a league low mm-hmm. uh, in loaded boxes throughout this season, according to True Media, and still only attaining a two about a 2.2-yard explosive um, uh, yard after contact rate. So right. this is all really important, right? It's all really important. Yes, it was the Jacksonville Jaguars. But the fact that they did all of this, not just blended the passing and the run concepts together in a cohesive way, in a, in a way that felt balanced in the second half, especially once they settled in a little bit. Sony giving them a chance to settle in was really important. The blocking concepts, they completely overhauled their run blocking concepts to cater to Sony Michelle's skill set, which is, again, right. that's also important. Um, especially because they had not this year at all, really. I think it was one game earlier this year when Daryl, I think Daryl was hurt, but it, they they had not technically established him as a sustainable lead back. This is the type of game plan that says you are our lead back. Um, just go punch guys until your knuckles are bloody. Like right. it, it literally, <laughs> that's what it was. And and they they had Joe Noteboom. Listen, Rich, I want to run something by you. Two okay. things actually. One is one is a. If you got a guy named Joe Noteboom, mm-hmm. you just have to have him as an extra tackle in a jumbo set, don't you? Oh yeah, the name just fits. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and then and then I ran something by this uh, by a Rams person earlier today. Did not receive a response. I'm hoping that you have a response to it. Oh, you know, should we should we come up with like a nickname for Sony? And I and I thought like should we call him Michelin because he never tires. <laughs> Oh wow, that was uh, that's not where I thought you were going. I, I thought we were going into the video game uh, realm, but uh, but I, I like that. He, he never tires. See, good. this is good. This is all right. Yeah. No, this is good. It's it's just, nice to workshop these things. Just you know? keeps rolling. It's, it's nice to workshop these things. But yeah. basically, but yeah, so I I took a very long and uh, roundabout and uh, ball control way of answering your question. But I I <laughs> like really I I yeah. think that all of those things uh, you can't answer one without the rest of them. But th- right. that rhythm and that sense of flow, um, you could feel it. And and yeah, there are problems. Drop passes are. Still kind of a big issue, two third down drops, Ben Skronik and Ben Jefferson. Um, and then, you know, some timing stuff with Odell, which I kind of excuse, honestly. Um, but you could see where the adjustments were happening. And I think it makes them harder to plan for down the stretch. Well, it certainly does. And and again, it's not, I'm not going to relitigate, you know, everything that, that's happened. It's not it's pointless at this point. You can't go back and change it. But it's just where was this? Like, I, I don't understand. I, I'm not going to say that they win the Green Bay game if if 
there are some of these adjustments, but they might. They, they legitimately might win that game uh, if, if they come out with this kind of mindset in that game. I agree with you 100%, Jordan. Anything that I say about Daryl Henderson is much more of reflection on the role that he was put in as opposed to him personally or his skill set or his acumen as a football player. We've said this before. I've said it going back all the way to when they drafted Cam Akers. Daryl Henderson was never meant to be in a lead back role. When he was drafted, he was drafted as a compliment to Todd Gurley. Uh, the following year, when they bring in Cam Akers, he was intended to be a compliment to Cam Akers. That does not, that is not a slap at Daryl Henderson. That does not mean he is any less of a football player. Everybody has their role. Everybody has their skill set. And and I think, and I understand when Cam Akers got hurt early in the season that you you play with what you have and and you slot Daryl Henderson in because he's your next guy in line and he's talented and he knows your offense and he's had success in it. But I think he was always a little bit ill-suited to that role and I think we've seen it. And and I guess my question is, you know, Sony Michelle, look, Sony Michelle was also available for a reason. I'm not we're, I'm not going to sit here and say that Sony Michelle suddenly is going to become a 2,000-yard rusher in the NFL, but I, I think we saw a lot of these things with Daryl Henderson and within this offense, and I'm just wondering why this wasn't tried a little bit earlier with, with Sony Michelle, because I, I think we all see exactly what you described. Yeah. Sony Michelle is not, I mean, again, you talk about that 20-25-yard run, that was great. Sony Michelle's not going going to be a game breaker for you, right? I mean, he's not going to go out there and get 75-yard, 80-yard touchdowns. That's, that's that's fine. That's that's part of the reason why Sony Michelle is available. But if you have this offense clicking, and and I think we all agree as much as I joke about it and much as I am snarky on Twitter, I mean, this is a Matthew Stafford offense. It it certainly is. And that's never going to change. What you need in that run game is just competence. You just need uh, well, steadiness. Steadiness. Yeah. Yes, thank you. That's a great word. Um, and and it doesn't. That means you don't need a game breaker back there necessarily. You don't need a home run threat in the backfield. You need somebody who's going to do exactly what you described. Push that pile forward. Get you a, a, a steady three or four yards. And and yesterday he averaged five yards per carry. Sony Michelle did uh, again against the Jacksonville. Jaguars. We should just Caveat. have that as like a. <laughs> we should just have that as like a a, a a sound drop that we can drop <laughs> in every every five seconds. But you know what I mean, Jordan. Like, and and again, I'm not going to relitigate it. It's it's done. But I guess my question for you is, and again, tying back yeah. to uh, you know exactly what we talk about. How sustainable is this? Do, do we think that that this is something that will work against the Arizona Cardinals? Is Sony Michelle up for? you know, repeating this type of role week after week? Is this something that the Rams can stay committed to? Because to me, when I look at it, 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 if they can accomplish it, it really does look like the formula for me. Yeah, it has, honestly, like it kind of has to be, in my opinion. Yeah. Um. Again, you're not going to ask him. He went over 100 yards for the first time that any back has done that in a single game this season, right. which is astounding to think about it. And you can argue some of it. Uh, was uh, lack of of rep- repetition or lack of opportunity when it comes to Daryl. But again, we have to know that two things are true at once. The lack of opportunity also comes from the fact that he was. I don't think I don't think he has been ever fully fully healthy for an entire game this season. Right. Honestly. Right. And so you can't. You know, I, I use some sort of like shitty metaphor in my piece. Like you can't. You really can't build around around that cohesively and sustainably. The problem I have with that is the refusal. Um, and, and and maybe part of it is Sony onboarding into the offense. So I'll give them that, that maybe a little, I'm maybe a little bit too lenient on, on some of this stuff sometimes, but mm-hmm. like the refusal to maximize the efficiency of your personnel um, or the, the just not, just not doing it. And yesterday, what I think I really liked about what I saw on offense was the, ma- they maximized the efficiency of their personnel. They have Joe Noteboom active sitting on the roster. Use the guy. Right. You know, right. they've, they're, they, they have a running back who can, he, again, he's not going to just break off these like highlight reel runs, but 
he can pick away at you, man. And that the right. the slow, <laughs> you know, what is the saying? What's the saying in in uh, the Dark Knight Rises? It's like the slow knife, right? That's the one that hurts the worst sometimes. <laughs> right. And and like it's just crazy. And and so I think. Um, you know, you, now you're maximizing your personnel there, your depth tight ends who have literally just kind of been sitting there. Like you're now maximi- maximizing them in a more efficient way. Um, guys who are role players uh, were maximized again in a more efficient way yesterday. And and I think that honestly, I think you can make a case for some of that happening on defense as well, um, where I think they played an outstanding game minus a few rough spots here and there. Um, but I think like that's, that's the interesting part of this is um, Sean McVay last week admitted that he is not he was not utilizing past the 10 deep, essentially, or past the 12 deep enough. He also talked about the steadiness that is required from a running back that they have not had. And to me, and I put this out there on Friday, to me, I was like, it sounds like Sonny Michelle is going to come into a, a lead back role. It doesn't have to be 100 yards per game. It could be, it could be, uh, you know, 60 yards on three yard carries. Like you really, it's, it's literally just about having the steadiness where you're, you're, um, you're also like against loaded boxes. Sony had a like plus 13 yards over expected yards per carry over expected. Like that's a positive play rate they have not had before. And it doesn't have to be everything at once. It can be steady. When I, when I do th- think back to your question about, well, why, you know, why not try this sooner? Um, I I do criticize them for that for sure. But I also, you know, the turnovers really were such a ripple effect for them. Those, when, when it, when you circle around and you make this giant like Venn diagram here of all the different things that are happening that could have happened, that should have happened, that would have happened that are now maybe happening. You keep circling back to that middle space. And that's these turnovers that playing from a deficit, I don't think in the future, I don't think it like as we see the game continue to evolve, I don't think it should handicap teams as much as it does, but it does, especially when the team can go ball control against you on the other side. And the ripple effect that it causes, um, this 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 group has not clearly cannot has not adjusted to it. So I I think too that um, you know, <laughs> you don't want to say like, oh, they're you know, they're a front runner, they're a front running team, which sounds really mean, like. I don't mean it like that, but like they, right, right. they, 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 they need to establish a lead. But I don't even think they need to establish a lead. I think they just need to play clean in the first half. I remember hypothesizing with you last week, Rich. If some of those turnovers came later in the game than they did, I still think they would have won. Right. And it, it's it's so so crucial to have a clean game, particularly in the first half, because even in the first half, again, caveat: it was the Jacksonville Jaguars. But even in the first half when they weren't really up by a lot, I still never felt like the game was by any means out of control in any way, in any way. And that was so different from even when they were close at the half with like Tennessee or like with Green Bay, you still felt like, oh God, oh God, oh God, you know? And, and I think that that's really an important distinction. And again, it goes back to that, that steadiness and, and you know, it's really, (laughs) here's something weird. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, small story, small personal story time on Saturday, I ran, uh, I, I ran about six miles and I'm trying to get back. Wow. I used to be a distance runner and I'm trying to get back into it a little bit. Um, and it's hard to do during the season cause there's just not the time you just don't have the time, but on home weekends, you just really, it's really wonderful. Sometimes your Saturdays open up and, and, um, so I woke up early, um, and I ran and I just, I didn't really have a, a map or anything like that, but I ran and I made it out to, uh, the wa- like the water, the oceanfront, but it was really rocky. And, and I'm sitting there and I'm, as I'm running, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I, I want to push my pace because I feel like I'm going too slow. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I sat there after rich, after all the last three weeks, Maybe I'm just like a sicko or something or like just need more of a life. I'm sitting there and I'm like, what is it that's telling me that I need to push my pace right now? What is wrong with the steady? What is wrong with the pace that I'm at right Right, now? The pace that I'm at right now will get me to where I need to be. What, what do I need to, you know, what do I need to push simply because my ego is telling me my mile time is too slow? Right. And I was like, holy shit, more football coaches should be distance runners, man. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love it, Jordan. First of all, that the, I will never have that problem. I can't imagine running six miles. You be, but you could be in the golf cart next to me. If you yeah, want. I'll, you I'll cheer you on. Tucker yeah, doesn't run with me either. He just lays down in the street. If he thinks we're going on a run, he's like, I'm not doing it. Yeah. He, he lays down the street. So you and Tucker could have a golf cart. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm totally with him. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It's it's you know the you're trying to you're trying to finish right. I mean the the goal isn't necessarily how fast you can go or take the quickest route or whatever it may be. How many dropbacks uh, you can throw the heck down the field? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's to me that that's what it is. And like and and you saw it with Matthew Stafford. I mean zero interceptions, and that is the big number. I mean Sean McVay talked about it during the week. It's an obvious thing, but that turnover battle uh, and and you know making better decisions with the ball and 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 I think that stems from just being comfortable within what's going on. I mean sometimes yes, yeah, sometimes it's just a bad throw, sometimes it's just a bad read. But but I also think the quarterbacks get lost. I think that's happened to Jared Goff a lot, and probably still happens. Is you you just get lost in that. You start to get in your own head. You start to think about all these things, uh, you know, even maybe an offshoot of what you're talking about there. Oh, I, I need to make this play. I need to force this ball in right now because, you know, that's that's what that's what I'm hearing in my head. You know, we've got to push the accelerator right now. Well, sometimes you don't have to. Sometimes that's not the best play. And and I think just the, the offense, as you said, Jordan, you know, even when things weren't going, even when those drives weren't finishing, when they stalled out inside the 30 or inside the 25 and, and you, you know, they got three points instead of getting seven points, which is not great, but you'd, you'd still felt like things were in control. It didn't feel like there was any need to panic. And and I think you saw that across the board uh, with this Rams offense. And and the thing about it is like, and, and this is like, it, it's easy to get this stuff twisted, especially on social media when, you know, people just want to yell at each other. But, but the, the, I will reiterate, you know, the, the point of the run game is not that the Rams need to be a run first team or that they need to run the ball X number of times in order to be successful. It really is a means to an end. And the end is getting Matthew Stafford the best that he can be. Matthew Stafford is the key of this offense. The pass game is the key of of the offense. But the point of the run game is just to complement him, to, to to make that more comfortable, to make it more effective. And I, I think the Rams in this game against Jacksonville utilize that run game in terms of situations, in terms of personnel, bringing in, you know, Joe Noteboom the way that they did, all of that stuff. I think they did it most effective, the, the, in the most effective way that they have all season long. So the, the opponent is certainly going to get tougher. Uh, you know, you're going to play Arizona next week. It, it, the, the temptation is going to be there because that's going to be a high scoring game, most mm-hmm. likely with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury and everything else. So I will be I will be fascinated to see whether that kind of discipline can stay uh, in place there. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Jordan, the other thing didn't mention, and and by the way, sorry, kind of all over the place here, but just wanted to let people know, you know, we're, we are recording this on on Monday uh, late morning. Uh, Jordan hasn't had a chance to talk to Sean McVay about things like injuries yet, uh, but Jordan, we did see Brian Allen go out very early in the game. Uh, Coleman Shelton stepped in. I, I mean, I am not an offensive line guru, but I was impressed and thought that that went well. So, Jordan, I don't know what's going to happen, you know, down the line there, but I think if you're the Rams, you have to feel pretty good about the game that they that they got out of Coleman Shelton, too, and, and what that meant for all of this, because uh, that, that could have gone very wrong, too. Yeah, I think he was up and down, but again, like, that was kind of to be expected when you're thrown into a sort of sudden change sure. situation like that. One thing that I thought was really interesting I didn't even think about, which I love little details like this, um, Matthew Stafford, reminded us yesterday that actually the weirdest thing about it is that Brian Allen snaps the ball right-handed and Coleman Shelton snaps left-handed. And I was like, <laughs> wow. oh my God, yeah. I didn't think about that. And and of course that would change things. It changes, you know, I mean, they had, sure. they, every snap was clean despite that fact. So I think that was, sure. that was um, telling. Um, but I, I thought it was good. You know, Coleman Shelton, he's a big dude. Um, he's obviously now has less relevant starting experience under his belt than Brian Allen. Brian Allen was battling through an elbow injury. Um, He had obviously suffered a a bad leg injury previously, came back from it, and I think his journey in that regard has been admirable, played really well the first half of the season. Um, But I think the elbow injury was affecting him a little bit these last few weeks. Um, You can kind of see it, and then awful to see him obviously go down like that. Um, you're, I don't know which knee it was. Uh, we did not get any specification on this point. We will hopefully today, uh, but have not yet. But um, but yeah, just you have a reshuffling like that. And again, that steadiness, um, you know, what a plan to have in place when a catastrophe like that happens because, you know, uh, Matthew and Coleman, Coleman Shelton came to the podium after the game and was like, uh, yeah, it gave me a lot of confidence because Sony was behind me and I just knew – and he, and he mentioned yeah. it again. He's like, he was going to fall forward. It, even if something wasn't perfect and he couldn't block, execute the block with, you know, total perfection every single time, the back is still going to fall forward in a physical way that grabs half a yard, extra yard, two yards maybe. And that was important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was really, really crucial. So I don't know what that looks like moving forward. It's obviously going to be really important. Um, teams will certainly be on notice uh, of that. Um, the Rams should get Justin Hollins back, um, which is going to mm. be interesting to see now how their outside linebacker rotation factors in. Von Miller is playing the majority of snaps now. Obo Okoronkwo is having a really, I think, quietly very great year um, in complement to him. And, you know, the the, the defense, um, again, other than a couple of, of touch-and-go kind of issues yesterday, and one of them long past, Dante Dan kind of got jammed and, and fell down, wanted to call uh, – didn't think that was a kind I yeah, I don't know. You just yeah. it was a little Yeah. Yeah. I I would be surprised <laughs> if a flag was thrown on that. Um couple of really stupid I mean, taunting is the worst penalty. Yeah. It's so stupid. I'm not even gonna talk about it. It's just dumb. Like it's it's yeah. the worst rule. It's 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 a horrible new rule. It's the worst. Uh, it's pointless. It's completely subjective and opinion based. Um it's it's completely 
even if a ref thinks he's the most unbiased human on the planet, it's just impossible uh, to not have subconscious bias and taunting penalties. I mean, it's just it's a learned, you know, it's a it's a human decision, which you you are trying to take as many subjective decisions out of the officiating process as possible. It's just stupid. All of it's dumb. But a couple of bad penalties, um, you know, helped in in the the Jaguars most successful drive of the of the day um but i thought on defense two guys that i thought really shown were ernest jones i mean aaron donald obviously but like come on that guy's like a superhero right so (laughs) we can't even talk about him at this point um jalen ramsey obviously had a great game against his former team um and uh greg Gaines and ernest jones really really impressed me um yeah i didn't you know greg Gaines can move man like right Wow. Right. I was, yeah, it was like a boulder rolling down a hill, honestly, <laughs> like a wheel of cheese rolling down a hill. Like it was kind of insane. I've and, never seen a wheel of cheese rolling down a hill. Oh my gosh. But, it's yeah. it's like a big event in, in Europe. They do a giant uh, cheese rolling event, like wheels of cheese roll down the hill and people race it, race them down the hill. I cannot wait to oh look gosh, this up on Rich, YouTube. Oh my gosh, Rich, you have to Google it. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah, no, I, I will be looking this up as soon as we finish broadcasting. Yeah. Um, but but another interesting thing, again, they weren't playing from a deficit and they had an early lead. So Sean McVay indicated that Ernest Jones got more snaps or or uh, he's been getting a lot of snaps, but he got more snaps as specifically the lead backer um, because they knew that they were going to be facing more passing downs. And I thought that was really telling of his skill set, first of all, but also kind of explains all of the Troy Reader of it all um, of the last couple of weeks, although it certainly does not explain inconsistent play. But but it was interesting. So again, more things hinge upon turnovers, things, the ripple effect that that causes, so on and so forth. But I thought those two in particular uh, just played an outstanding game. It won't get... Uh, talked about probably as much other than by us because we are sickos who try to talk about everything. Um, but Von Miller, I think this was his best game as a Ram, had a batted pass, uh, acquired many blockers, uh, much to the benefit at times of uh, Greg Gaines himself um, and, and Oboe um, came in and, and made a really, really crucial crucial uh, run stop for a loss, um, which was advantageous in the sort of the, the late down attempts that they had consecutively. And then, um, you know, I thought Leonard Floyd, uh, I can see him getting more and more attention. And I thought Mm. he played really, really well. I thought he was especially effective against the run in tandem with Ernest Jones. Um, And, you know, obviously he had the the half sack um, late in the game. And I think he really needed that just having felt like their 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 pressure rate has been really high the last three weeks, but the quarterbacks are getting the ball out of their hands so fast that you have not seen it really show up on the traditional stat sheet. So I think it was a a cathartic game of sorts. The two takeaways, like another fumble force, but Trevor Lawrence recovered it. Like I think, I just think it was a really cathartic game for this defense all around. Yeah. You know, great gains to me is strike. And again, this is one of those ones where, you know, you can say we're getting a little deep in the weeds, but I I think if if a guy like great gains can play like that, I I think it's really important. Um, You know, it's it's really important to compliment some of those guys around him. Like you mentioned, Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd and, and, and just to have him there. Uh, you know, generating, you know, wrecking some havoc uh, in a position where the Rams really haven't gotten a whole lot. And and, and I, I think you've seen that. Look, the Rams have had opportunities to let Greg Gaines go. And, and there were times over the last year or so where I thought, oh boy, this guy might be on the fringe of the roster. He might even be losing his spot because, you know, there's moves that got to be made and there's there's other guys on the on the cusp. And and they held on to him, which which leads me to believe that they've, they've seen something there. Uh, maybe it hasn't been able to you know be put all together maybe the consistency hasn't quite been there and you know who knows maybe we don't know what's going to happen uh, in the in the future but you see as the year goes on here the the percentage of snaps just keeps going up and up and I mean he was at 81 percent uh, on uh, on Sunday which actually was a little bit of a dip because you know the the 
fourth quarter was a blowout. But, you know, early on in the season, he was 30% in, in the low mid-30s. And you're seeing more and more responsibility get put on him, I assume, after, you know, Sebastian Joseph Day's injury. Uh, if he can do that, if, if he can be an effective part in, in the middle of that defense, that's really big uh, for, for a number of areas. And and now's the time, you know, now's the time really for Greg Gaines to, to put that together. So for him to do that, uh, I, I think is really important. Jordan, I, I know something else that will come up. And, and uh, you know, I know we've been getting questions about this. Is, is Terrell Lewis uh, did not play a single snap. He was active on the roster. Uh, but he and uh, Daryl Henderson actually were the only two guys who were on their active roster who did who did not got, get on the field. So I know, uh, I'm, I'm sure that will be a topic that will come up uh, with, with Sean McVay. But in general, Jordan, I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure what else to say. You know, that the defense holds Jacksonville to under 200 yards. Uh, they certainly had one touchdown drive there that was, you know, probably what you don't want to see. But uh, other than that, I, I feel like the defense, you know, kind of checked all the boxes in a, in a game that uh, they they should have performed well in. And, and I think in large part they did. Yeah, they didn't uh, sink to the level maybe of the opponent. And right. they, they weren't, you know, you didn't see a ton. There was a couple of missed tackles, but nothing crazy egregious like you'd seen the last couple of weeks and again I think it once you know once again it certainly helps <laughs> going back to the Venn diagram when you're not turning the ball over early in the game and you're not facing an early deficit the pass rush can execute a fuller rush plan in terms of all of the different types of things that it can do because it's assuming more passing downs and so it the the colloquialism is like oh we can pin our ears back I never really understood where that came from, but uh, I guess <laughs> right. to make you more streamlined or something, I don't know, but, or to, oh, you know what it might be from? It's like when you're in a fight and you just don't want any surface area able to be grabbed, uh, like okay. you're pinning your ears back. I don't know. Sounds I don't know. Painful. We could talk about this forever, but like, yeah. but really it's, if anyone knows where that comes from, please send me a message. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it's, that's just the the saying, but really it means that you can rush with a fuller rush plan, a fuller force. You're not, uh, you're able to maybe do so, do so in a more creative way because you're not having to then account for as many known run plays. And so that was, that was important, uh, definitely effective when the Rams are able to do that. So again, the importance of either an early lead or at the very least playing a clean game in the first half, so important. And, yeah. you know, I, I really think like, again, you saw in, in ways, again, Jacksonville Jaguars, but you saw in in ways that you just hadn't at times the last couple of weeks, you saw um, guys who are complimentary players stepping up um, and, and doing what they need to do. Ashawn Robinson, great punch out on a carry um, to help force a fumble. Um, he's also had a quietly, yeah. really solid, you know, season this this season. Yeah. Um, Greg Gaines stepping up. Um, you're, you're, you're having guys swarming to the ball in defensive backfield. Ernest Jones continues to put things together. Um, getting him on the field more, again, sounds like it depends on more known passing downs. So again, you Venn diagram center right there, just staring mm -hmm. us in the face uh, and mm -hmm. blinking on and off. Um, but but yeah, I just think that's it's those those things are super important. Um, hard to hard to put too much stock in specifically um, what this defense was and and um, you know how it will be moving forward after you know it's. It's hard to, I think, fairly judge it fully. You can judge certain, certainly judge certain parts of it, but fairly judge it fully when you are playing from behind the way that they have for the last couple of weeks, particularly against teams that are limiting the turnovers uh, or the limiting the opportunity for turnovers. And Aaron Donald just said, hey, you're going to put the ball on the ground. Fine. I'm taking matters into my own hands. And I'm going to snatch the soul from your body and then the ball will also come with it. <laughs> and so it it kind of was like, all right, you know, so he'll, he'll find a way. But but I think, you know, it, it just was it was really important for them to have a game like that to um, to assert in that way. And I think for the most part, they did assert. Uh, and, and I think that was really important. Yeah, no, no question about it. They they dictated, which is what you you need to do. And it, the Arizona, you know, rematch here will will be interesting because that that feels like it was years ago. I don't I don't even remember what week that was. But uh, the the thing that I remember was you know they they were getting. Uh, 
beaten on the ground. Like that was a big Chase Edmonds game where where he was ripping off these these big runs and and they were even getting beat by by James Conner at times. Who as as a as a James Conner uh, owner in fantasy football, I can tell you has not been the most dynamic uh, running back this this season. Um, so it, it it'll be interesting to see because I think you've seen that that defense. Uh, tighten up and 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 perform pretty well against the run, and that's really where, as I recall, Arizona was was doing their damage. Uh, a lot of it was was on the ground. I'm looking it up now. I mean, the, if you include Kyler, uh, they were at over 200 yards on on the ground, which which you just can't have. If I mean, if you let Arizona do that, along with you know Kyler Murray throwing the ball, then it's going to be a long, long uh, afternoon or evening in this case. But, uh, you know, 10 and 2 Arizona on Monday night, going to be a great game. And, you know, Jordan, <laughs> oh boy. Uh, we we said last week. What else can we say about special teams? And 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 I'm not really sure. And and you know, I, I got into it a little. Not into it. That sounds negative. But you know, people kind of saying, "Oh well, you know, who cares?" You know, basically, like it's it's much more important that these other things get taken care of. Yes, it is. There's no question about that. But y- you can't have this stuff keep happening. And I'm not really sure what the answer is, Jordan. And I'm not not really sure that this can be solved during the season and I'm not even sure what the issue is and that that might even be the bigger problem. I mean, do you do you have any sense of this? Is this just kind of like a like a fungus that has spread throughout the special teams or like what what is going on here? I think the problem is twofold. Um and we'll definitely uh I think have more to to unpack. Hopefully you know, you see changes, but I, I just don't know that there's a fix that happens right now with th- with these guys. Right. Um, but I think it's twofold. I think one, the guys who they expected to be more contributors in this phase, even as rookie players from this draft class, mm-hmm. um, are injured. And uh, that's like fourth round on down. There's, you know, three guys, four guys who are not able to contribute because they're, they're hurt. And um, in the other... S- the other sense of that, though, is that's certainly not an excuse, and it's certainly not, uh, you know, when when you have, you know, four of eleven spots in your coverage unit, for example, um, open, you also don't have necessarily the uh, roster space or the ability to just churn practice squad guys through those spots right. week after week after week. You can't right. you can't do that. First of all, um, second of all. Um, you just, it's just not, you, you are not, there's no consistency with that in terms of the bottom, the very bottom part of your roster. Right. So that's, I think one problem. The other problem though, and it kind of goes hand in hand is that this is, this is a top heavy roster problem. This is a problem where, um, you need the coaching to be extremely, um, hard nosed and consistent and tough, which again, I think Joe DeCamillis does. I mean, I see him every day coaching these guys and he coaches them hard, hard. And it's, yeah. and it's like, and they are, they're, they're showing up early and they're staying late. And, um, it's, and I'm serious guys. Like I wouldn't just blow smoke about that. Like these guys are, he's, he's pushing these guys. The problem is though, is like, you know, I think Troy reader actually said it like pretty well, you know, there's, there's some, there can be a discrepancy between, buy-in and a lack of buy-in in that phase. And particularly in, if you're dealing with roster churn of your own making, because you are a top heavy team that's mm-hmm. pushed everything into players that you certainly are not going to put on special teams. And even, um, even at times in the two deep, you're certainly not going to put a lot of those players on special teams. And, and so I think that's, that that's a twofold problem. And the, it's clear that Sean McVay hoped that one of the fixes here would be coaching. Um, I think you might be looking at a bit of a different story, at least in the second half of the season, if guys like, you know, Jake Funk, if guys like Jacob Harris, um, you know, heck, even Tutu, I don't know, but even right. Tutu uh, right. were not hurt. And um, so I think that that, you know, that's obviously uh, that's obviously an issue. But at the same, you know, Raymond Calais getting hurt early on, sending their return game in in flux again. Um, You know, it's just these are just I think it's a two it's a multi multifaceted issue. Um, You know, you see positive flashes and then they take away your joy for like six separate plays after you see something really cool happen like right. the, the um 
the Brandon Powell uh, return, 65-yard kickoff return. And then right. you just see stuff that shouldn't happen. Matt Gay should not be kicking the ball out of bounds on kickoffs. He just shouldn't. Right. So that's, you know, there are phases that are good and fine. There are phases that are extremely problematic where you start to see um, little flashes maybe of potential in some people and certainly not all is when you see plays at the end of the game, like Robert Rochelle, total effort play to mm-hmm. um, flip the ball out of the end zone in the air. Um, and then JJ Koski fell on it at the one yard line off a punt. Like those are the types of things that that's, that shows a buy-in, Right. And you need those types of contributions from guys. Robert Rochelle, you know, may not have been as fully able to make that play if he's still subbing in for Darius Williams this time of year, you know? So it's just, it's all about a shuffle and a balance. And um, it's something that uh, mathematically would be, I would think, very challenging. But I certainly am not giving them an excuse because at this point in the year, after, you know, a third coordinator in three years, um, you you should not you should not have be having some of these just continuity errors, just mental errors in, in some phases. So I, I don't know yeah. that I have an answer for it, but that's just kind of what I think. Um, yeah. Not even a solution or a diagnosis. It's just kind of like what I think could be some of the issues that are happening there. Yeah, no, I, I, but it's I think, terrible. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I don't think there is. Any, I mean, the, like you said, Matt Gay kicking the ball out of bounds. Like there, there's nothing, it's not a whole lot you can, you can say there. I mean, that's, that's just, you can't have that happen. I mean, whatever it is, it's whether it was a just a mishit or, or whatever, you, you can't have that happen. But the other stuff, Jordan, I, I, the one thing that, that you said, I, I think speaks to me a lot is, and, and this is not a criticism, by the way, but it, it is that roster construction. And, and the way that I'll kind of flip it around a little bit is, you know, you look back at 2017, for instance, I believe, or maybe even 2018, a guy like Corey Littleton, the Rams had had such depth and such uh, good luck in terms of health that Corey Littleton was a special teamer. I mean, he was in there just blocking kicks. I mean, he was barely even playing at linebacker because they were healthy and they were fairly deep at that position. And and now you're not seeing that because you've had this turnover because you've had guys leave and and those guys who before were competent regular special teams players are now being asked to fill in more. Like you mentioned, Robert Rochelle at times having to play more in the rotation at a defensive back. It happens across the board. It's not just one position or one player. So you start to see kind of that churn and, and that that's where it hurts you when the, when that bottom of your roster, and and I, I don't say that in a pejorative way, but, but those players who are kind of your, your last, you know the guys who make the the roster uh, because they're special teams players. When when you have that churn there, and and you're constantly bringing in new guys, and they're they're trying to fill other roles and all of that, like that's where that hurts you. And and that is a Rams. I'm not saying they made the wrong decision, but when you commit as much money to the top of your roster as they have, that's where you feel it. When people say, "Oh gosh, is this sustainable or whatever?" Yeah, it is. You you can always do it, but you are you. Are borrowing against other parts of your roster, and and specifically, you're borrowing against some of these special teams players. So, I, I agree with you, Jordan. I don't think that's an excuse. I think if you're if you're an NFL player and and you're good enough to to make a roster and good enough to be out on the field, then then you still need to make those plays. It's not they're not just pulling guys off the street. I mean, these are still NFL caliber players, so that they need to be able to execute. But that, but I do think that's a little part of it, and it does matter. I mean, it certainly doesn't matter when you beat Jacksonville by 30 points. Uh, but if this is a better team, if this is a tighter game, those are absolutely things that can cost you a game or put you in in situations that that you don't want to be in. And again, I just I feel like this is something we say every every week, at least that I say, if, if your aspirations are to be a Super Bowl team then these are the kind of things that that can hurt you and and probably will at some point. So I, I don't know what the I, – I agree with you. I don't think there is uh, an answer right now. There's no quick fix. There's no – I'm not even sure. You know, a lot of people – I know a lot of people say, oh, fire the coaches again. I, I don't even think that would make a, a real difference at this point. Um, I, I think it's just something that they're going to need to look at 
you know, full picture during the off season and see how much of it is personnel, how much of it is coaching, how much of it is, uh, you know, that roster construction that we're talking about. But but it is it is concerning, Jordan. I think. And um, again, talking about this this Arizona game, you're, you're going to have to be clicking uh, on all facets, and you're not going to be able to make mistakes in in any aspect of the game if you want to beat an Arizona team that is ten and two and uh, doesn't doesn't look to be fading. I mean, Arizona faded a little bit at the end of last year. Jordan being a young team, first year coach, but uh, I don't know about you, but but I'm not seeing it. I, I'm not seeing signs that this Arizona team is going to fall apart uh, late in the season. Well, we'll definitely be able to have uh, tons of updates for you guys all throughout the week, uh, especially after Sean McVay talks uh, later this afternoon, evening. Um, And definitely a lot of exciting stuff up on the roster. This is a brutal backstretch for the Rams. So uh, they're definitely going to need to be um, on their P's and Q's for for all of these things. Uh, Sounds like they're going to at least get one guy back, maybe two, maybe three. uh, Although you'll have to stay tuned over the athletic.com for more information on that. And as always when you subscribe to the athletic through the 11 personnel podcast especially in time for the holidays you get my favorite thing in the world which is a great discount you yes. get a great discount every single time you subscribe to the 11 personnel or excuse me i always do this through to the athletic through the 11 personnel podcast after two years and I, i'm still doing this um, you get my favorite thing in the world which is a great discount um, you guys thanks for following along with us as always we really really appreciate you be sure you're staying in in tune uh this week and in the in the coming weeks at jordan rodriguez on twitter at rich underscore hammond and of course uh finding uh, the work of, of myself and all the really great work of all my nfl colleagues over at theathletic.com especially as the playoffs draw near thanks again 